I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 like it's 1999 the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a wrestling ring or from a carnegie hall carnegie hall or there's so many places we can come from because this movie is so many locations here in 1999 um i'm one of your hosts kenny nybart i'm phyllis Cope. and uh we're about to welcome our guest um jig notaro onto the podcast but before we bring her on uh i just want to say a couple getting of emotional. things. I am getting emotional. This is our 99th episode. <laughs> it is. Most podcasts, you know, would celebrate the 100th. But um, this is podcast like it's 1999, and we've made it 99 episodes. Um, and uh, I knew we'd get here. Well, no, I knew we'd get here. I, that's what I mean. Like, I knew <laughs> it's we'd inevitable. get here. Like, I f- Ernie didn't. Ernie didn't. Ernie, <laughs> Ernie, Ernie was on the fence. Ernie did like, not you think- guys really want to do this? Yeah. Right. I, knew we, I knew we'd get here in 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 the way that, like, I know I could finish a marathon. It might just take me like two weeks. Like I will get there. I will run the 26 miles, walk it, finish it. But nobody might be there at the end. Yes. Maybe no one will care. No one will notice. Like Kenny Nybert's going to finish the race. We weren't going to start this project and not finish it. Yeah. That being said. We got a bunch of shitty movies we got to cover too. With being said, we have Tignataro to come on and talk about the the 99th movie we're doing, Eh, you know, including – Throwing some friends episodes and episodes where we argue about Britney Spears and whatnot, but um, we're 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 we've become like a thriving little podcast, and I'm thriving very, little podcast. I'm very proud yeah. of what we've yeah. accomplished. Um, and Phil, I gotta say, 
I was going to say something like it was all because of me, but it's not. It's all because of you. Well, that's not true. You, but you really, you've done, you've done incredible, incredible work keeping this podcast moving and getting our guests. <laughs> I appreciate that. Doing the research. Um, Thank you. Talking with Ernie. Finding Emilio. I think, but I think I. I mean, first of all, obviously, this only works because it's both of us, and this, you know, that's what's. I've just spilled coffee oh, as we're talking Jesus. about this. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, just, go, keep going. But, uh, how great I am. But no, truthfully, I do think that um, you know what's special about this is that we get to uh, we get to have fun together, and uh, you know, and that's 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 the best part. It is. It's been really great for our friendship as I clean up the coffee. <laughs> it's been it's been great, not just for our friendship, but I would also say for our careers. <laughs> I think it's been a lot of fun to have to to reach out to people that that you know I never thought we'd ever get to sit down with, and to network and to be able to sort of build relationships with all sorts of people. It's been really fun. It's been really exciting. It's been great for me in that respect because I have no uh, <laughs> age, I have no industry contacts, and now well, I do. Not true. But I'll say one more <clears throat> thing that like you know the audience may not know. I went through a very rocky period during. Uh, during this, this year, um, when it comes to mental health issues and, uh, a couple things like I'm proud of, I'm proud that we were able to keep this podcast going. There's a period where we thought we wouldn't. Um, I'm proud that Phil stuck with me. Thank you for that. As there was any question. And, uh, this podcast has been as important to my, uh, recovery and I'm not going to go into it much deeper than that. I didn't like try to kill myself. So don't worry about that. But um, <laughs> it's important. And, it's, and I didn't fall off the wagon. He didn't. Um, but uh, it's been important in my like recovery is anything. I've been able to come on here and talk with smart people and also Phil for two hours um, pretty much about things you love. About things I love. And, and you've as, uh, as listeners, you've indulged that and let me go in all sorts of different directions. And we've grown. And uh, I'm proud of us. So thanks, Phil. <laughs> You're welcome, and thank you. I think that uh, it's it's been it's been a wild ride so far. We're going to keep going. It's going to be great, and we're super excited to bring on this guest to bring on Tignataro to talk about a movie that um, talk about mental illness. Talk about mental illness. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's you know, and we're also it, it should also be said too that you know we're going to talk about the uh, the Jim Carrey documentary as well that went up on Netflix earlier this year, um, and sort of the the behind the scenes of it all and what, what he sort of quite honestly put everybody through to make that movie. Um, and, uh, it, it's, and, and it does feel, and we'll, we'll talk about this obviously in more detail in the episode, but it does feel like Andy was a real sort of, I don't even know what the right word is, but that a, a real kind of lightning bolt for Jim Carrey. Like it, I think it changed him. I think that that this movie and this experience felt like he sort of saw inside himself a little bit through Andy. At least that's what the documentary sort of, I felt, kind of illustrated a little bit. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay. I mean, I think he was a weird dude to begin with. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure it just wasn't – I think Jim Carrey gets really into his roles. Um, and I'm not sure it wasn't just another role. And – uh, I mean, I know it did change him and I know it was a really important role for him, like kind of physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but I'm not sure he's that different. Th- I'm not sure that, that it broke him, which I mean, is it's kind hard. of like the sense that I think they wanted us to feel, but I, I mean, here's what I, I will just, 
let me let me maybe rephrase it. I think that up until this point, first and foremost, you know, we don't have any uh, behind the scenes of of any of his previous films, uh, so it's hard to say what what he's like when it comes to a role in general. So it's very possible that what you're saying is true. Most of the stuff he had done previous to this, with the exception of Truman Show, were primarily comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this movie, or at least whatever, uh, he got rid of the shtick. From this point on, whenever I saw him interviewed, whenever I saw him on, I felt like he wasn't the same Jim Carrey. Maybe it's possible that he dropped part of the act. Maybe it's possible that he just stopped being whatever. But it just felt like it. And whenever he did do it, which was sort of sporadically, it felt hollow. I think that happened a lot later. I do. I think that happened a lot later. I mean, he after this, it's, it's myself, me, myself, and Irene, and 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 Grinch are the two thousand Grinch, but also he was in Bruce Almighty, and he was in Fun with Dick and Jane, and he was in Number Twenty Three, and he was in a lot of stuff that he was doing. That I mean, Lemony Snicket. I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that he didn't do things. No, but I think he always kind of went to the MTV Movie Awards and did crazy shit like every year. I think that was kind of his thing forever and ever. And okay, he did something did break him. Like, I don't know exactly what it was or when it happened, but sure. he was broken. Yeah. Um, I mean, he did oh, Internal Sunshine after this, too. Yes. Which, you know, I thought, like, put him back together. But he something happened. Something broke him. Don't know what. Maybe Tig will have some insight into that. Maybe. But either way, uh, we're super excited to be doing this. It's our 99th episode. Um, we've got Ting Tatar to come on for Man on the Moon. And, you know, we're just we're incredibly grateful for everyone that continues to, to listen to our podcast, to keep going on this ride with us. We've got lots and lots more movies, television, music, all sorts of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, books. Books. Yes, because Kenny loves reading I books. I read a book. A book. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we've got a lot to come, but, um, it's a moment and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to kind of tip our hat to it to you guys for listening and, and get as big a guest as we could. And I think we've succeeded and it's exciting. Take us walked into the studio. Take Nataro, mm-hmm. the creator, star, writer of One Mississippi, stand up comedian, Indeed. um, host of Under a Rock with Tig Nataro. Mm-hmm. Which we were watching earlier. Which we were watching earlier. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, so happy to have you. It's incredible that you uh, you came on our little podcast. Our little podcast. Thank you. It is incredible considering what I went through this morning. To get <laughs> <laughs> we very much appreciate it. Yes. Take like me as um, twins. And, uh, you know, there's really nothing like it. There, Nothing will fuck up your life more. Triplets. <laughs> you have triplets? No, I'm saying... Oh. <laughs> That would, that, that would probably, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Yeah, oh my God, I can't imagine. That's, yeah. like, that's Lord of the Rings stuff. I am <laughs> also on Star Trek, the Star Trek Discovery series. Of course, and of one course. of the actresses on there, her brother has uh, quadruplets. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's. she said it's essentially an entire soccer team, is, is what her nephews are. I just don't even know how you would juggle all of that. Is that even possible? It's hard to juggle four babies. Three well, is I, not that hard. I, I didn't. But two, I, I think two is hard. Three, I, I, I can't. I two truly... is really hard. And I, you know this. I love talking to the twin parents because they're the only people who understand. And yeah. anyone who has one child, it's not a real parent, as you it's know. It's hilarious <laughs> to see somebody with one baby. You're just like, that is not a real parent. hilarious. Don't be to be an it asshole. It feels like a life. cat. Like you could just leave it at the house and it would be fine. You know, when we have one baby, it, we, we, we call it... 
a purse. It's like yeah. walking out with a purse. Yeah. That's all. You, you don't <laughs> yeah. even think. But the thing about having twins. It doesn't need care. No. One child. No. 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 You're always involved. Yeah. Um, both parents are always involved. Yeah. And that is really hard. So it's it's not – I mean people say that like it's not double mm-hmm. the amount of work. It seems to be just exponentially more than that. Like you would think it would just be double but it, it obviously isn't. What is great and I'm sure you experienced is that – one and my sons, they're, they're almost three and a half. But I would say in the past month or two, they have started – they've always played together but there was a lot of biting and not sharing and, and a lot of that kind of stuff. Whereas now – they get along and play together probably 85% of the time, whereas it's a, it's a small amount that they argue or, or anything like that. And that's where I'm like – never really happened for us. People said it would, but it never happened. Oh, it didn't? Oh, see, Max and Finn, are they are buddies. In fact, you can't reprimand one without the other – getting on you like do not take his motorcycle oh, do not and i'm like you stop it i am talking to him oh i mean you can't reprimand one without the other no. like sometimes we'll just put both in their room and what did i do you know the kid will be like what did i do it was your sister you didn't do anything but i can't just punish her yeah you know i gotta be the, the uh i mean they they have each other's back, my kids, right? They're each they're like each other's body man mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Like they got in a fight with another kid and um they were both crying about it. And Layla, my daughter, goes, Well, if he touches my brother again, I'm gonna beat him up. And Layla go and Rollins goes, My son, and if he touches my sister, he's dead meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's how like Max a, and Finn yeah, are. But it's with uh, it's it's with us. You know, it's yeah. like you we cannot reprimand the other one because the other one gets so furious with us and throws a fit if we take a toy away or send the other one to the room. It's just – it's like they're witnessing horrendous abuse. <laughs> and I start to believe it. Abu Ghraib, yeah. Yeah. It's really – I'm like, is this intense what I'm doing? It's, the other thing that's so annoying, not that this is a twin podcast. This is our 99th episode. I don't know if you know this. This, this is, is our yes, the 99th yes, episode yes, of the podcast. Yeah. Sorry to twin what? out. No, please. It's my fault. No. Um, I mean. the, uh, the other thing that's annoying is like you have these kids you think they're going to be your best friends. But when mm-hmm. you have twins, it's like you're already at best number two. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like they're already – Oh, I'm so far down the line because my wife is the most popular – and oh, uh, and then the, we have a cat. <laughs> yeah, you have a cat. Yeah, that goes before me as well. I call myself um, chopped liver. And Sarah Silverman had come over to our house one day, and I was ta- this is when they were, the boys were two, and I was taking um, Max upstairs to change his diaper, and um, Finn was calling for me and Max to come back, and I was like, just hang out with Sarah, and I'll be back down. He's like, no, okay. and then Sarah said to him. What am I, chopped liver? And then he goes, No, chopped liver is changing Max's diaper. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, now he gets his own Hulu show. Seriously? It's a development deal. It's so good. It's amazing. That's really funny. Oh, man. Wow. So now, uh, yeah. Here we are. It's fine. I first saw, saw you on Sarah Silverman's show. 
yeah. Sarah Silverman program. Yeah, um, years ago. Year, well, I always, you know, I, I can't think of TV. I mean, it's not an appropriate joke anymore, but I can't think of TV. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. TV, of course. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so I've been watching you in a fan of yours. I guess that was like eight years ago, something like that. Seven, eight years ago. Oh, my ago. God. The Sarah Silverman program? It was in the 2000s? It was over a decade ago. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, see, this is what I mean. Well, I have some, no memory. Yeah. yeah. Children take that from you as well. Yeah, aren't we still in the 2000s? Well, we? I guess we'll be there for a hundred years. Yeah, but I, I just call like the. Uh, I'm not good with numbers, no, I'm, and I'm, I'm a dropout failure. But I know so we're still in the 2000s. So I, I know the date. I'll tell you the truth. I've had this is honest. The honest got truth. I've had anxiety about mm-hmm. what to call the the OOS, mm-hmm. the aughts, the aughts since about 1989. <laughs> like, what are we gonna call the? What are we gonna well, call the aughts? It's yeah. all resting on you. Well, <laughs> who knew? Right. Well, I mean, you know what? It, it was. Resting on someone, and whoever yeah. that was, they failed because I just called in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> I got served. <laughs> well, I feel that way when there's a radio show and they're like, We play the best hits of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and then they say, And today, today. I know I think they're struggling with it as well. <laughs> yes, they're they're waiting for you they're to punting. tell them, yeah, what, you What doing? is this? I, I hate the odds, it's so haughty, it's so. Well, but what is, is so what is what is ten to to twenty? Is the that teens? The teens? Is that, so we're in the teens. Is that what we are? Yeah, we're in the teens. We play the best hits of the seventies, nineties, <laughs> and the teens today and the teens. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so speaking of the last year yeah. that you could actually call by its appropriate ninety-nine name, yeah, ninety-nine. Tig, um, where were you? Ninety-nine. I was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and I was very new to my stand-up career. And, you know, I think like so many people, I remember being at the New Year's Eve party when it was turning 1999. I was just crying that I didn't know what we were going to call this yeah. decade. Yeah. <laughs> How long Not had you so been fast. in uh, L.A. at that point? I think I got into L.A. around... Um, 96, okay. 97. I, I'm not quite sure. Okay. But, um, uh, you know, when Prince's 1999 song, came, I think everybody thinks of that, you mm-hmm. know, yep. probably a lot of Got people. And it also yeah. seemed so far away and spaceship uh-huh. time. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being in... Um, I, I can't remember what great. When did that come out? I think did 84. That come, yeah. It yeah. was like 84. Yeah. The album, I think, was yeah. 1984. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say I was in seventh grade, which I think might have been 1984. Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, whoa, 1999. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have we really thought this through? <laughs> this is it's true. This is insane because yeah. as soon as that happens, spaceships. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and jetpacks, um, yeah. jet everything, <clears throat> and um, and then of course it happens, and you're just at like a a duplex, you know, <laughs> blowing a, <laughs> and you know your Honda Civic is outside <laughs> the, <laughs> the New Year's Eve party, you're and like this is it, this is the yeah, it was yeah. it was still the, <laughs> and. Like nothing had progressed in any capacity. Yeah. No, it's I've been twenty years. I'm I, not sure that much has progressed. I put that. that one on uh, on Bill Clinton. 
Why? He, he should have done a better job of of ringing in the new year. They, they should have made it a big well, world event. He had he had his own things he was dealing with. But he, he probably past, knew. Even if you had a big world event, it, it's smoke and mirrors because you still have your Honda Civic That's hatchback. True. <laughs> That's true. You know. Yeah, yeah it's true. You yeah, still have your problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's also something to be said for the Y2K of it all, too, which is that people were actually weirdly nervous about it. They didn't yeah. know what was going to happen when yeah. everything turned over. So there was people like this paranoia. So dumb. People are so dumb. Yeah. Y2K is one of the dumber things that we've been afraid of. Yeah. 1999. Those two years. Just yeah. like dummies. Yeah. Dummies. Dummies. Yeah. 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 Amazing stuff. Yeah, but a lot of great movies and television came nice out in that transition. year. And we tried. Um, <laughs> Keep so, it on track. <laughs> trying. Uh, Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing this movie in '99? Do you remember this movie? I having didn't an impact see on it in '99. I saw it years later. Okay. Um, but uh, were you an Andy Kaufman fan? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, okay. not a fan in the way that I was a fan of. Other comedians, but okay. was certainly a fan and okay. certainly enjoyed him. Who are your favorite comedians? Um, well, you know, it changes from before I was in comedy to getting into comedy. Sure. And, you know, you start to understand the craft more and and still maintaining a respect and love for people. But um, before... And again, it's not to say that the people I was into before that I, I, I'm not into now, but um, I would say, I mean, Joan Rivers, um, Richard Pryor, Ellen DeGeneres, Paula Poundstone. I loved Rosie O'Donnell. I remember seeing her on VH1 Stand Up Spotlight mm-hmm. that she hosted, and I could not <laughs> – handle (laughs) how hilarious it was that she would (laughs) introduce herself as different people each time (laughs) she would be like hi welcome to vh1 stand-up spotlight i'm your host nancy reagan (laughs) and i was like that is (laughs) hilarious i'm your host gandhi (laughs) i I couldn't handle it Uh um so uh yeah, I would say those were some <laughs> comedians that I was really, really into. Paula Poundstone, I never missed a concert of hers when she was in any town that I was in. Mm-hmm. I just I had to go see Paula Poundstone. And what I really enjoyed about Paula as well as uh, Joan Rivers was their ability to write the most solid, tidy joke, but then also – could go with any moment and riff yeah. and be so in the moment. And um, and then as I got into stand-up and started um, doing it myself, I really, really got into people like Maria Bamford. And mm-hmm. uh, I also loved Steve Martin, now that I'm remembering that. I loved um, – um, I'm just um, – my brain's going back to other comedians that I, I really enjoyed. Um, but uh, Maria Bamford, still to this day, I would mm-hmm. say number one for me. She's somebody that when I watch, I 
I feel embarrassed that I've ventured Shit. into this. <laughs> I get I get mad. I've been I've been mad for two days that my boss at work had a pitch that I wish was mine. Yeah, I just I'm I like woke up woke up in the middle of the night. And I go that pitch was so fucking good. I can't believe I didn't think of that. And that it, it's really a confusing feeling because it's such a a, a level of inspiration, yeah. but it's also it's it's humiliating that you're not that good you're that good like that's true i'm not just saying this we've never had a guess who's good at anything but you're that good <laughs> not maria bamford level yeah. maria bamford is and i'm not being i feel like i feel like i'm good at what i do i feel like i i can do i can i'm i'm, I'm happy with myself and my career and my abilities but maria bamford that's just it's it's freakishly insightful and brilliant and weird and different and her own thing and i don't know i just well that actually leads to my question i'm not a comedian so Mm -hmm. i don't know anything about the making of jokes Mm -hmm. i can sometimes come up with a joke within dramatic context Mm -hmm. because i consider myself a drama writer but Mm -hmm. my question is so does hollywood not sure uh (laughs) andy kaufman Mm -hmm. didn't write jokes Mm -hmm. in the same way do you know what i mean like when i think of a joke it's a delivery you know it's a setup it's a punchline something to that effect he was doing something else Mm -hmm. and i guess my question to you is was that inspiring to you did you see what he was doing or did anyone understand what he was doing like i still don't know if anyone knows what he was doing well you know it's interesting because when i i didn't watch andy kaufman when andy kaufman was doing Stand up or whatever he mm-hmm. was doing, or um, sure. I didn't watch him on his TV on show. Taxi. Okay. Um, what happened was I was living in Austin, mm-hmm. and my girlfriend at the time had a roommate who had a girlfriend, and that girlfriend would always my f- girlfriend's roommate's girlfriend <laughs> would always tell me that I reminded her of Andy Kaufman, uh-huh. and. I would always hear that from her with Mm -hmm. different sensibilities and things that I would do. And so it was in the back of my mind. I I knew who Andy Kaufman Mm -hmm. was, but I didn't, I wasn't really aware of him, his, his thing. Sure. And, um, that made me take an interest and check him out. I wasn't doing stand up at the time. This was just me hanging out at a girlfriend's house in Mm -hmm. Austin, wondering what I'm going to do with my life. But, um, um, I can't remember what your question was. <laughs> uh, it was about sort of this, like him, what he was doing, what his sort of the way he was, like, it wasn't jokes in the strictest sense of the word. It felt like he, he was, was doing something. He was playing with the audience's expectations of things yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. how, yeah. like the joke was on them. And then once they relented, then he turned into like a little kid. Like, yeah. he, like that was the whole thing was like, mm-hmm. how do I get you to break? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. But no, I, I'm sort I, of I, – and I'm not saying that that's necessarily what you do, but I, I could sort of – No, I relate I, uh, for sure. I, yeah. I I feel like I completely relate to that. The, the one thing I don't relate to is um, – Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods – all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That side of him where you kind of don't know what's real or, right, right, right. or what's a character mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm I'm never that person that right. is talking in a weird voice or can't you can't quite break through or mm-hmm. get you know but would you say that because i do feel like some parts of your uh of your act do like that the audience isn't sure if they're supposed to be laughing sometimes and i always say nor do i i don't i <laughs> sometimes i'm like i don't yeah, i yeah. really don't know what's happening i i don't know if you saw in my last netflix special when mm-hmm. the, i there's an Indigo Girls bit there. That came from um, – I I was having a really average show on the road. And to me, an average show is almost worse than bombing because bombing to me can almost become comical. <laughs> where you're just like yeah. – because I think in terms of, oh, my gosh, I flew out to this city – <laughs> this is I did yeah. it's so it's so it's such a weird, weird feeling. It's tragic. Yeah. It's like there's nothing worse than indifference. Yeah. You'd rather someone hate you than be indifferent yeah. to you. And I can also sure. break in that moment in in with a sense of humor and just be like I've had those moments where I'm like <laughs> I start laughing on stage. I'm like, look at look, this is <laughs> so funny. You got what I I thought this was really funny, and I flew to your stupid town, and I'm telling you this, and you're all just. How is it that you all collectively don't get it? And why did I think it was funny to pack my suitcase and leave my family? Like I, I drove to the airport. I stood in line. I went through security. There's so much that happened. And um and so to me that is funny. Sure. Whereas just kind of an average show is just so painful. And um, I was having one of those, and then I, I don't know what happened, but I just kind of snapped in my head, and I said, "I want to apologize. This show did not go great, but I have great news for you. I have a surprise guest." And then I just started <laughs> introducing the Indigo Girls, <laughs> and I didn't know what was coming. I didn't know I was going to keep doing it for twenty minutes. Sure. I didn't. I didn't know. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, Andy Kaufman is my idol or inspiration, and this is what he would do. And I'm not saying you thought yeah, I was yeah, doing yeah. that. <clears throat> but I, I know so many of my my um, uh, jokes or bits do play with that as well as pushing a stool across the stage and making a weird noise. I've done that in front of a live audience. But that came in an authentic moment of – I was in the middle of a show in Seattle, 
and I moved the stool just slightly, maybe two inches, and it made this really weird noise, and the audience burst into hysteria. That was shocking <laughs> to me because it was something the whole room felt. Yeah. Right. That noise made – and I think I was having an average show again. Mm. And um, this is a great promotion for my tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but I found it fascinating that right. I was – I've prepared and written these things and they're just like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, next. Yeah. <laughs> and then I my the stool makes this noise and they lose their minds. And so – I was saying to them, oh, that makes you laugh? Well, here, let me continue doing that. And then I kept pushing the stool around. They kept laughing. And then they got sick of it and they stopped laughing. And I was like, no, we're going to – this is what <laughs> you're into. <laughs> and so I just kept pushing it. Right. And I did – and I continued to do that as part of my show. And in one – I remember I was in St. Paul, Minnesota, <laughs> and I did that there. And I pushed it. Through off the stage, through the audience, <laughs> out the door, across the street, the entire venue came out and outside. They were standing That's on the amazing. sidewalk, and I pushed it across the street. Cars were stopped, and the whole audience was cheering on the side of the road. And I, I couldn't think, I couldn't imagine what the people in the cars thought. Like, what the hell? That's the best. What That's is incredible. Happening? But to me, I, there's a part of me also where. And it's not in a depressing um, way, I don't think. But I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> That's the best feeling in the world. <clears throat> yeah. It's, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. This actress was asking, because she was saying that she had seen me on a bunch of talk shows. And she was like, how do you keep your cool? Or you always have a good story. or and And I... Keeping my cool, I, I'm not like, I gotta keep my cool. I just, there's a part of me where I'm just like, I don't, I care. Mm -hmm. I, I care, but I don't think the host is above me. I don't feel below them. I don't feel above them. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm just like, I'm happy to be there. I have a story. I'm going to share the story. That actually taps into something in the, in the yeah, documentary. In the Jim and Andy documentary, the Netflix thing about the making of sort of the behind the scenes of making of Man on the Man, Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey says that he had an epiphany mm -hmm. where he realized that he was the guy with no concerns, mm -hmm. and that there's a humor in that, mm -hmm. in that sort of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey it, okay. said this, uh -huh. um, and I think that there's something interesting about the humor or or what an audience gets out of watching someone who has no concerns. Uh -huh. It's to me watching you on a talk show uh -huh. doing what you do uh is very cathartic to me uh -huh. it's that there that's that's the wish fulfillment for me being able to go into a room and be completely myself mm -hmm. and say all right we're gonna have a five minute conversation me and you no matter what mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't going to change anything and let's just try mm -hmm. and let's just see what comes out um i can't really do that you can't? No. no, not really. I can't Look how quickly it was to say no, 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 I mean in the sense I of both of us can't. I can't really do that. Too. No, no, no. I'm very performative. So, but I mean you can just sit here and talk. You're, you're proving yourself wrong right now. Thank you. I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm okay on the podcast. Uh -huh. I mean I'm in my own head right now just the, to be clear. Yeah, because this, <laughs> this, is, this is like our place. This is our talk show. Mm -hmm. But um, no, go on to someone else. I'll be very performative. So being able to kind of I, – I don't know. I'm not trying to – say that you are or aren't performative but it comes off as 
it comes off very confident. Very, and that's, very human. That's very exciting. genuine. Then the Jim Carrey thing too yeah. does, does a completely different thing. There's this moment in the doc. There's this moment in the documentary where he just starts dancing and like stripping, mm-hmm. and his whole thing I think is I'm just going to do what I feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the coolest part about that was so this I don't know. Did you watch Jim and Andy? The I did. So the all right. So for the audience, the whole idea is like he's driving everybody nuts. Mm-hmm. There seems to be one person who gets it. It's Courtney Love. And Courtney Love <laughs> gets right up there with him yes, and yes. dances with him and starts like taking off her yeah. clothes uh, too. Yeah, like her robe. Yeah. And there's something so kind of exciting about him finding this kindred spirit in 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 yesing, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. This kindred spirit in in participating. Mm-hmm. You know, there well, is something very kind of not sort of naked and raw about it. Not to be literal, mm-hmm. there's something very sort of freeing about what they're doing. I mean, I, I I'm. I don't know how you felt about the documentary, but I kind of watched it. There were parts of me that, that really enjoyed it, that, mm-hmm. I, that I enjoyed that he turned the making of this movie into an Andy Kaufman bit, mm-hmm. for yeah, lack of a better way of putting true. it. Like, I think that's funny and interesting. Mm-hmm. But then I think about the hundreds of people it takes to make a movie. And I'm just like, for the love of God, it's hard enough to make a movie. Yeah. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing in yeah. this process? Um, but, you know, they made a good movie on the other side of it, but it, it, you just he, have to wonder. He doesn't care. Well, no, I get like, that. Like, he doesn't care. If that if that's your takeaway, he doesn't care. No, like, I'm, if you're like, Jim Carrey's kind of an asshole, he doesn't care. Like, well, that, that's clear. Yeah. See, I, I don't care, but I also, <laughs> that's, I didn't, I didn't connect to or relate to that. Whereas I would feel like I... I, I, it's it's hard to explain where I care and where I don't because I do care. I care, like I, I care, um, but I wasn't into that element, right? Uh, and and I would when I thought about myself on a on a production, I would want to not waste people's time <laughs> or frustrate people. Yeah, yeah. But I also <clears throat> wasn't watching it, going oh. I can't stand Jim Carrey or why did he do this? I'm just thinking I, I could not and would never do that. <laughs> that part I don't really relate to. Um, but if I'm in a show and it's my show, which, you know, I guess that could be very obviously considered his show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's fine. To me, I feel like there's too many working parts or moving parts for me to feel like that's fully my show. Mm-hmm a movie or TV show. Whereas a stand up show, I feel like this is this is my show. You yeah. know? And I'll I if this amuses me or I think this is awkward enough to play with, I'm I'm gonna do that. Uh, I still ultimately want to give a great performance and have a great show. So I do care in that way. Um Yeah, there's nothing antagonistic about about your work. Whereas I feel like some people find it to be really? some people find it to be anti comedy at times. Um, and I was I, gonna ask you about the term anti comedy uh-huh. and what you think. I, I don't think much. I mean I, I just like call it whatever you want. Um I I'm there's no part of me that wants to upset or irritate people. I'm I if I'm doing something, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. And uh and I think it's it's interesting when it irritates people or they thought it was anti-comedy because I, I, I am not an anti-comedy comedian. 
um, at all. I don't think anyone is. Yeah. Like, I think, like, I think that's, I think it's kind of to Phil's original question. You know, there's comedy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I put that in quotes, set a punchline. Mm -hmm. And then there's everything else, like what you do or like what Tim and Eric does or like Mm -hmm. what. Tim and Eric are incredible. I mean, incredible. (laughs) Incredible. Like Megan Amram does on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Like these things that like are so fucking funny. Yeah. I, oh my God. And it's not real. Or, or, you know, or or, or what Sarah Silverman's been doing Mm -hmm. or what, you know, Shrab and Harmon have been doing. Like that's not anti-comedy. That's just new comedy. Yeah. It's just originality. Oh my God. There's no, but I, I have seen Tim and Eric tank. And we did a, a festival in Ireland, and I'm again. It's not. I'm not interested or excited to see somebody tank, but when I see somebody doing what I truly believe is the funniest thing in the world, yeah. and there's an, a, a sold out theater <laughs> that I have to believe <laughs> includes a lot of their fans, be silent. I'm. I'm. Dying laughing. I mean, I, I, I really think I witnessed one of the funniest things in the world. Whether the audience was laughing or not, what they were doing, I was just like, oh, my, it, it makes my heart sing. Were, were you, in the, you were in the theater when this happened? Yeah, we were on the same lineup. So you were like, you were like backstage or something? Yeah. Right. And I was, I was dying. I was dying. I can't remember whose roast it was. But Norm MacDonald, I'm sure you, you've seen this. Norm MacDonald set. At someone's roast about how um, I'm certain I didn't see it. Okay, <laughs> Norman Donald bombed kind of famously at someone's roast. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. With these kind of anti-comedy jokes, and the, they were very bad roast jokes. Okay, like he told Gilbert Godfrey that you know when he goes to the bathroom, there'll be a sign that says "Gentlemen, pay it no heed" because there's no room for scoundrels. Uh-huh. That kind of thing. Uh huh. And the room hated it. <laughs> and if I was in the room, I think I probably would have had a hard time laughing. But sitting right. back and watching it on TV, part of the joy of that uh-huh. is the room hating it yeah yeah you know part of the joy is that collective awkwardness on like right. i thought we were going to be here like telling these horrible jokes really ripping people's guts out uh-huh. and he's calling over godfrey a scoundrel yeah um so i think that to to, to that kind of idea of the anti-comedy thing or the new comedy or whatever um being able to observe the audience is part of the joy of that <sighs> I, I mean, <laughs> depends on your view. I imagine from the stage. I imagine it's not as much fun. Well, there's you know, there's moments where you can kind of lose faith in a comedian if you see the audience not get it. You right. Know, where you're like, oh, they need to work on this material, or <laughs> oh, this isn't quite right. Whereas there's people like Tim and Eric or Maria Bamford, or because I've seen Maria Tank, and I'm I'm like, nope, that's. <laughs> flawless what she did that's on and you. you all need to exit the building now you fools you know sure whereas if i'm struggling i i for sure i'm like i'm not blaming this on the audience i'm like this is i i gotta work on this but there are other people where i'm like <laughs> laughter or silence flawless mm-hmm. flawless here i i so Forgive me, because again, like I don't know that much about comedy, but I, I sort of wonder what it must have been like to I'm sit. I'm glad in- I got up and drove across no, town. <laughs> I, I, but you're here because I want to know about comedy. <laughs> she's, she's here for you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, uh, sitting in an audience with Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. performing, 
and not really understanding what's in front of you. I guess my, this is a long way of saying that I feel like audiences today are more prepared to sit in a show that is maybe not generically comedy, whatever that very much, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. In 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 Andy's day, I don't know what it's like to sit in the SNL audience and have him do the Mighty Mouse thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know that anyone could get it at that time. It's funny. It's I think it's empirically funny now. But then I just don't know if it, I mean, obviously it did sort of work and then kind of stopped working. Mm-hmm. My parents loved it, which is weird because like, God love them, kind of squares. <laughs> so like, I, I remember Andy Kaufman kind of being inculcated in my house a little bit. Really? That might be a Northeast Jewish thing. I mean, there might be a little bit of like, he's one of us. So I kind of get him. Right. For my parents, but like they thought Mighty Mouse was the funniest thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. Right, but then he starts wrestling women and it becomes less funny, right? Uh, wrestling women's the funniest thing in the universe. <laughs> I, I, I will talk about I will talk. I, I will talk. I will talk about the, as you know, and Tick, I don't know if this turns you off. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Okay. And I think that my brother was a huge wrestling fan. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You like him? My brother? Yes. I love my brother. Right, great. I uh I just uh, wrestling is just a part of my upbringing. Okay. He was really into the Von Erich family. Are you you're from Texas? Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. I mean Mississippi, Texas. Oh, we're from yeah. Mississippi, but yeah. yes, I for those who don't know, the Von Erichs ran the Texas territories <laughs> and then had a very tragic um Yes, 3 out of the four, 4 out of the 5 brothers died young. Wow. I think majority were Suicides. There are a few. Carrie was. Yeah, um, yeah I think three yeah. out of the four who died young were suicides. And uh, Kevin's the only one who's left. Brutal. Wrestling's a horrible business. But um, like part it. of the reason it's horrible is because of what you're talking about with Andy. This idea of where's the line of reality mm-hmm. and where's the line of fiction. Yeah. And I, I've oh, the reason I've always liked it is because of that. Is because of this like – Almost more than any kind of form of mainstream comedy, I don't know how – mainstream uh, media. I don't know how mainstream you could really call wrestling, but it's mainstream enough. But the reason I think it's always kind of put to the side is because it's really off-putting in a way. It's very weird that a company can create a character like – even say The Rock. But I – you know, let's say, let's say The Undertaker for the sake of like ridiculousness. Put him on Jay Leno and Jay Leno has to pretend that, that he's talking to a real person. Right. That's absurd to me. Right. So then you take what Andy's doing. There are wrestlers whose goal is to piss people off. They're called heels. They're bad guys. That's what Andy was doing in this. Right. He did that his whole career. His whole career was kind of blurring this line of um, I'm going to push you in a direction that makes you feel something. You are going to feel something at the end of this. That, that, that feeling might be total hatred for me. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get invested in what I'm doing. Yeah, right. You're not going to leave, have an average show. No. There's not – yeah, you're going to – You're going to – you might go home You might go home and write me a death threat. But he doesn't care. So the wrestling women is so taboo and so out there and so asinine. Mm-hmm. And the goal of this man to do it on Merv Griffin. Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't it also make it very hard to bomb? Like, is there, what, I don't know what a bad. He doesn't care about that. But that's kind of my point. I know he doesn't care, but it also, like, there's no guardrails to it mm-hmm. to a certain degree, which I think that, that, and this brings me to the, to the movie, because I do feel like the movie isn't as quote unquote dangerous as I feel Andy's comedy was, or at least which as movie? Man on the Moon. Uh-huh. It, 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 it feels a little safe to me, which is maybe my, my, 
biggest complaint about it. I liked it quite a bit, a lot more this time than the last time I watched it. Um, I think it's a good movie, um, but I'm not sure that it totally does justice to the man or to, mm-hmm. to his to his art or to his whatever he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that that sort of I don't know how you felt about it. Did you feel like it? You know, I didn't. I haven't revisited right. the movie, but when I watched it the first time, I absolutely loved it. Okay. I would say, you know, there was a part of um, my love for it. I, I, I love Jim Carrey. I, I absolutely adore him as an actor. I don't know him, but um, I also, it was in the beginning of my stand-up career, and I think it just was so explosively exciting to me to see this this film, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But I remember loving it so much. It's. I mean, maybe if I saw it again, I'd have more issues. Or I, I mean, just, I, I love it so much. Just to be clear, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not ragging. No, on it. I feel like you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this I, movie. I guess it's also you know, Kenny and I had a discussion um, on text a little bit about biopics, mm-hmm. which are which can be tough to do. Um, you know, to to encapsulate a life mm-hmm. in two hours is not an easy task. Um, so I think that this film is quite does a very good job at that. I did feel as though it shows the the breadth of Andy's life mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, and as I said, I liked it a lot more this time than the last time I watched it because I did feel like um, it was sort of, it was a little more groundbreaking, I guess, than I thought the first time I saw it. Uh, so that's the end of part one. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a part two. It mm-hmm. is coming next week. Mm-hmm. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> what are other things to say about this? No. It was great. That was 99. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll be bringing, bringing you 100 next week. Big 100. Tune in. Got a lot of exciting things planned for next week and after. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Roll <laughs> the credits. Thanks for tuning in. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.